Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It is Sunday, September 4, and to all the dads out there, happy Father's Day. Hope you have a great day. Father sitting alongside me, Ben Dorries. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. I had a lovely little morning with my kids. Got a nice little key ring from my daughter with a uh, painted picture of me on it. Well, I think she put pink lipstick and red hair on me, so there you go. Very good likeness. You never know. Might have seen you in a photo somewhere. Anyway, we've got a very special guest coming up in just a moment, so let's get straight into it. We're going to go to Mooney Valley first up, of course. A big day of racing there, the Fee and Stakes, but the feature sprint was the McEwen Stakes and strong Queens and interest here with Rothfire and Zoo Style. 550 metres to go. Zoo Style led Cool and Gadda by a neck. They're a length and three quarters. Rothfire third the outside of away game. Then in the Congo, next Simeon, who is niggled at before the corner. And further back in the field, the Inferno. Zoo Style and on the outside, Cool and Gadda. They run the corner, 200 metres to go. Followed by Rothfire and next Simeon. Cool and Gadda lets down, takes Zoo Style, but Rothfire's a real threat. Zoo Style kicks as well. Three across the track. Rothfire takes the lead from Zustal, Rothfire back, Rothfire has won it by a half leg, Zustal, third call and gather from the Inferno, Semion in the Congo, and away game was last. Well it was a great result for Queensland, the Quinella, Rothfire running down Zustal in the shadows of the post with Cool and Gatter, the favourite who sat outside of Zustal in third position. So I think Rob Heathcote's joining us now uh, he's only got a small window of time, but Rob, firstly, good morning, congratulations, must have been a great relief to see that horse back in the winner's list yesterday. Yeah, good morning, David. Good morning, Ben. Yes, it was. It was certainly uh, a very proud moment in my training career to get this horse back. I mean, he suffered such a horrendous injury, which normally would have been career-ending for most horses. And, you know, I've got a lot of people to thank, all my team, all the work they do on a daily basis with him. Mel Sharp is with him down in Melbourne. And we got him back, and he showed through the winter, you know, with his enormous run in the enormous run in the, the Stradbroke and, and also the King Smith that he's that he's I, I could train him again like a normal horse. Mm. Rob, uh, yeah, it was a very, very proud moment. Rob, I've, uh, congratulations. I've sat in your office a few times and looked at the uh, I don't know what you call it, a, a little container. Uh, which you've got, I think, on your book, your bookshelf, which has got a, a, cup, a bit of um, a bit of Rothfire's bone in it. So, I mean, every time you, you go into your office, you get reminded of what this horse has been through, don't you? Yeah, two significant sized bone chips that were removed from his sesamoid, and you know, even the vet said, "Look, if you get him back to the track, well done." But to get him back racing at this very, very high level, and that's you know, his last four runs have been primarily group group ones and group twos, and to do that yesterday. Over a thousand metres, and, and congrats to Tony as well. I thought Zoo style after missing the kick was enormous, but for Rothfire to do that over a thousand, where you know I believe he's a better twelve, fourteen hundred metre horse, but to be competitive at that level over that trip, first time Melbourne way of going, first time around the valley, you know, huge thrill. I think a lot of Melbournians thought the same thing that he was a twelve hundred metre horse. But the other thing as well, every time Rothfire's come back, he he's had high expectations placed on him because of his natural ability. And, of course, we've had the Everest situation, we've had the injury situation. There's always been a big story around Rothfire, but he went in yesterday almost unheralded. There was no official trial. 
he came along a quiet path. And I suppose from a trainer's point of view and the owners as well, probably a bit less pressure going. Well, well, pressure going to the race, but not a lot of public pressure on you. Yeah, exactly, David. And look, we... We did really all we needed to do. He came out of the winter in great order. He didn't need a long break. He presented beautiful there yesterday. He had a glow in his coat and he was beautiful and relaxed in the stall and paraded on his toes. And, and I flew Pete Frame down to uh, to Melbourne to strap him. You know, he's a, he's a lovely man, Peter, and he's he's not had the best of health. So that certainly was a huge pickup for Pete yesterday to strap a Group 2 winner at the Valley. And we're onwards and upwards now. You definitely know he can uh, obviously handle Mooney Valley towards, I'm assuming, the Moyer and the Manicato races that are particularly close to your heart. You've had great success with, with buffering, obviously. Yeah, exactly, Ben. And and that's where we'll head now. Damien Lane gave us a picture of a ride there yesterday. And and uh, I said to Damien after the race, I said, you'd be happy to stick in the Moyer. And he said, you bet. So... Yeah, we go to the Moira. It's a thousand, and okay, I'll, I, I won't have to do a lot with with Roth Fire. It's three weeks away, so we'll just tick him over, and maybe even a trip or two to the beach. And Mel will do what she does best down there with him, and we'll go to the Moira. And then a couple of weeks after that, we've got the twelve hundred Manicato, which I think is his his target race. And then, if you all is going well, we might even have a crack at the Darley twelve hundred up the straight at Flemington, which I think will suit him also. Mm. Uh, Fitness-wise, just give us a percentage figure going into yesterday's race. You've got to be pretty sharp to win a 1,000-metre race of this nature. How forward was he yesterday? Um, He'll take benefit out of it, David, because that's the beauty of our Queensland winter, the fact that he came out of the winter in such good order, enormous run in the Stradbroke, and as I said, three weeks off, and I haven't had to do a lot with him back here. Les Babatilli has been riding him track work just about every morning, and thank you, Les. You do a beautiful job on him, and he's uh, he's got the job done in Melbourne. So yeah, he, he was probably seventy five, eighty percent, David. So I, I think he's going to take quite a bit out of it. What about the E word, Rob? Uh, I spoke to you last week, and you said, "Look, you haven't even thought about the Everest. You just want to campaign him in Melbourne. Um, you felt it was right for the picking down there." Um, with obviously the real, um, you know, the nature strips and Eduardo's and co going around in Sydney. Does the way you won yesterday and the fact he's got improvement to come, and no doubt you will have some Everest interest, I would have thought, does it change your thinking at all or not? I got a text message last night on my old phone, the one that I left in the taxi when I came from the airport home, and there was a message from a slot holder. So uh, you're right, it, it created some interest already, but that's a long way to go. You know, I'd love to have a Moyer and a Manicato next to his name before we even talk about the Everest. But, uh, yeah, interest immediately after that run yesterday. Great result. Prince of Boom, the wash-up there. Oh, you only got to watch the replay. Gee, he jumped out and you saw that white slip of his nose in front. And, mm. and uh, Craig, you know, said he, he didn't feel comfortable, so he dragged him right back out of the race. He still only got beat three lengths, I think. We could just about put a pen through that run. You know, wide barriers will do that, but I would have liked to have seen Craig press from where after he jumped so well and the winner sat third defence, I'd like to have been outside it. Where does he go to now, Prince of Boom? Not sure. Uh, there's there's an 1,100-metre open at Caulfield in two weeks, and then two weeks after that's the Gill guy, 1,200 at Flemington up the straight. I might give him a jump out because uh, Craig Williams suggested he may not have been comfortable the Melbourne way of going. So maybe a jump out in two weeks and then straight to the Gill guy. That's something I'll uh, I'll let Melanie... I'll discuss with Mel how he feels under saddle over the next week. I know you're under time, 
Pressure Rob, so thank you so much for your time. I, I reckon it's for everything you did with buffering, uh, I reckon this is right up there uh, with a terrific training performance from you. I know how much heart and soul you and your staff have, have put into this guy and the whole of Queensland, I've got to say, cheered when Rothfire won yesterday. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Thank you, David. Pleasure. Did, did you think of buffering yesterday? Oh, yeah. And wearing his hat now, as I told you. <laughs> <laughs> it was just nice to be back at the Valley. You know, they, they, they put on a great show down there. There's a wonderful atmosphere. And, you know, it's uh, if it wasn't for leaving my phone in the taxi... And, by the way, Ben, uh, I've, I've located the cab that dropped me off and I've located the driver. I'm just waiting for him to wake up and... <laughs> And call me and tell me he's got my phone. And he said a hundred dollars will be fine. That, that's, that's I'll, I'll give him more than that if I can get it back. That's cheap. Good on you, mate. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, guys. There is Rob Heathcote, the trainer of Rothfire, and uh, yeah, this was you know every time. Remember last campaign with Rothfire, um, he was first up in the in the victory stakes, even money favourite, all the talk about him, Rothfire. And I thought he was a little disappointing that day, and then after that he ran really well without winning. But this time, no real hype going into that race yesterday. Well, you know what? I saw, I should have probably asked Rob about this on, on air, I saw one of his staffers uh, who was at Dooman yesterday show me a text message that Rob sent to him after that win yesterday. He said, well, we imagine what this horse could do uh, if he had four good legs rather than three. Mm. So, I mean, we do think about that, don't we? Because Rob's, you know, very open with the fact this horse will never probably be what he was going to be. He literally thought this horse could be the best horse in Australia. Like, like literally the best horse in Australia. That's how good he thought he was going to be. So whatever he achieves from here is a bonus. And I've got to say, these Queensland trainers are being pretty smart, aren't they? I mean, we've seen uh, Hoisted and O'Day have success with Uncommon James and shooting for gold. Um, and now, you know, Rothfire, I'm sure there will be some Everest interests. But, I mean, let's not forget, Jonker won the Manicato last year. I'm not downgrading Jonker at all. Good horse. Um, but with all the really elite A-graders in uh, Sydney, you know, on Everest campaigns, some of those Group 1s in Melbourne, those Group 1 sprint races, gee whiz, they're right for the picking, and Rothfire is going to be Johnny on the spot. Mm. Um, good news, Rothfire. Tony Gollum would feel disappointed because Zustyle didn't jump cleanly and then had to rev up in a short space of time to get to the front and still only went under by three quarters of a length. The start was probably costly. Yeah, terrific run though, wasn't it? I mean, I I must admit, in the run, when I saw saw him miss the start and then hunt up, hunt up, hunt up, I thought, yeah, this horse is probably going to drop out and run fourth, beaten three or four lengths. But, you know, held on for second, beaten three quarters of a length by Rothfire, who it must be said, had just the A-grade run in Mm. transit, just lobbed in a perfect spot, one out, one back. Actually, always looked like, never actually really looked like he was going to lose the race. He was cruising the whole way around. Perfect spot, great run. I thought Zoo style, so he's certainly got a fair bit to work with there, Tony Gollan. And very classy too. Uh, they are fierce rivals, Tony Gollan and Rob Heathcote, but very classy of Tony Gollan to, to immediately go up and congratulate Rob mm. for the win. Cool and Gatter, she ran the, the McEwen favourite. She had the lightweight and she had her chance. You couldn't offer an excuse there, I wouldn't think. No, so, I mean, yeah, I don't know quite what to make of her. I suppose we'll have to maybe judge her on the next run. The Inferno looked to be bolting there, ran fourth at one point and, and just didn't didn't sort of ping at the end. Uh, away game. Beaten 11 lengths. Yeah, that's the worst run she's ever turned into her career and, and quite out of character. But uh, So the jury's out there in the Congo, couldn't get into a, a comfortable spot and he was always, you know, out of contention really with the run he had. But 
No, all systems go down with Rothfire, so it's, uh, again, a good result for Queensland, as you pointed out, a particularly good result running first and second. We'll chat with uh, Ben Hayes shortly about Mr Brightside, of course, uh, who controlled and bolted it in the FIAM, but uh, he's got a commitment at the moment, so we're just juggling a few things this morning. Let's go to a couple of the other features at the Valley yesterday. We'll go to the Atlantic Jewel for the, the three-year-old fillies. The favourite in the race was Lady Laguna at $3.80. Lady Laguna trying to get a breather. 500 to go. Troach about a neck away from her. Two and a half lengths away. Petray. And then came I'm Loving You. Next in the field, Varvia. And then came Mumbai Jewel Revolutionary Miss and Boogie Dancer. So Lady Laguna and also Troach as they come to the turn. Lady Laguna with about a half length on Troach. Then came Petray. I'm Loving You. Runs up behind them. Needs a run. Extricating off the fence. Lady Laguna and Troach together. It's Troach taking the lead from Lady Laguna. I'm Loving you's getting out, but it's too late. Troach. Troach is going to win it. Lady Laguna second, third. I'm loving you. Fourth, Petray. Then Revolutionary Miss and an eye catcher. Boogie Dancer was piercing through them late. Back behind those horses, Mumbai Jewel. Then came Vafia and always at the end denied. Yeah, that was the listed uh, Atlantic Jewel and Troach, an on speed horse. Uh, successful for Godolphin, an epaulette filly. Getting black type there, winning yesterday, taking a record to three wins from eight starts. Not a lot to read into the race, I feel. No, look, it was a competitive race, but the winner won well. I think they're going to look at the 1,000 guineas with her. Um, yeah, Whether she'll stretch out that far, well, I'm not sure, She, but she did it well from the front yesterday. Um, revolutionary miss, I thought, was good. You know, Sharpies were embedding. She'll be better for the run, for sure. I thought it was uh, Christmas when Blacklog won yesterday at Doom, and it was his... <laughs> Fourth win from 54 starts, but uh, another horse who has been on the winning list for some time but also struck back yesterday in no uncertain manner was Asar. Let's have a listen to the final stages of the listed Chautauqua. Oxley rode the front runner. 5.50 out, steadied three quarters of a length corner pocket, a length and a half. Azar, Felicia, Enchanted Heart, Kalos. Then came Rangers under pressure and back behind them, Prince of Boom, Wonderbar and Calypso Rain. It's Oxley Road in front of length corner pocket on the point of the corner. Then Azar and Enchanted Heart to the outside corner pocket moves up to Oxley Road. Azar chiming in with Enchanted Heart. Azar, 100 metres to go, strikes the front. Azar from Enchanted Heart and Azar going to win it. Azar from Enchanted Heart, corner pocket, Calypso, Rain, then Ainge of Chivalry. Next to finish, Rangers and Felicia from Ranch Hand and Wonder Bar, then Prince of Boom and Gravina, a gap in the field, then to Oxley Road, Catalyst and Kalos. We'll talk more about Azar when we chat with Ben Hayes in about a quarter of an hour's time, but uh, he hadn't been uh, in the winning list for some time, and that was his third win at start 20 yesterday, but he, he bounced back to something like his best. I've got a theory. I reckon I know. I think horses understand humans. You know why? Because every time a horse has got its crackers, like literally on the line, it comes out and wins. He was under threat of serious threat of being gelded, this horse. Oh, he must have known. He dead set must have known because he had not only he'd placed in his last 11 starts. So he thought, uh oh, this doesn't sound very nice, this gelding procedure. I better try here. I mean, like in the fair dink of the department, you could not back that horse with stolen money yesterday, although some people did. I think it was 40s into 20s, but yeah, good luck was, to them. Yeah, 31 into 20 to, to be official, but uh, ran on the speed, followed the speed, and uh, was too good beating Enchanted Heart and Corner Pocket, always honest in third position. As we said, we'll have a chat with Ben Hayes shortly, not only about Azar, but of course, most importantly, about Mr. Brightside's dominant win in the FIAM. That was racing at the Valley. Let's turn our attention to Royal Ramwick. We started yesterday morning. I think the track rating was a soft six, but it was a rotten day. It rained most of the day, 
We ended up with a heavy 10 and just watching the races, visually, it looked a heavy track and I'm sure it was. One of the features, of course, was the Concorde. This was the first serious look at an Everest uh, slot holders getting ready for the big race in October. Here's the action. As they turn for home, and it's Malkovich at a control pace from Eduardo, who's breathing down his neck at the 350. Three lengths away to Zapatea from Athelry, and Andermatt's got a big job to do doing the chasing wide out. Nasset, go on Eduardo, and the nine year old dashes to the lead, and dashes clearly at the 175. Eduardo's well clear from Athelry. There's no Andermatt, but Eduardo, at the succulent odds of $2.80, goes on to win the Concord Stakes, beats Athelry, camera third. Handle the truth and Andermatt. Followed by Malkovich. Further back, Zapatea, Shelby, 66 and rocketing by. Well, I suppose one of the, the talking points post-race was the price of Eduardo, as, as Darren uh, not only alluded to in the call, but outlined in the call there. $2.10 out to $2.70. As Joe Pride, uh, Eduardo's trainer, joins us. Firstly, Joe, congratulations. But when these horses drift in price or firm in price, there's always there should be a reason behind it. Can you... Think of any reason why Eduardo got out to 270 yesterday. Oh, look, I was sort of of the opinion going into the race, and I'd sort of said to the owners during the week, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, he's beaten Nature Strip, you know, multiple times over 1,000, 1,100 metres, and I thought if Nature Strip was in that race, he would have been a, you know, probably a two Zon pop, and I sort of thought that's the price we should be. Um, but he just kept drifting, and I guess that's, I know I heard some people talking about his age, but I wouldn't think that would dictate his price. I know they just wanted to risk him, which I, I mean, the tab made him lay of the day, which I know I always would have thought if you're going to lay a horse, you'd want to have a weakness, and I don't see what Eduardo's weaknesses are. How, how, how did he present at the enclosure? Unbelievable. Yeah, he, was, he looks beautiful. I mean, that's not me saying that in hindsight. No. Um, yeah, the horse has got... He's the heaviest he's ever been. Um, he's got a beautiful coat on him. I don't know if you got to see the coverage here yesterday, but he, he, I personally just think he's never looked or... or or performed, or he's only one run so far, but looked all, you know, um, just presented at home any better than what he is at the moment. It's interesting the preparation of these Everest horses, Joe, isn't it? I mean, they're targeted, obviously, for a specific, very, very rich race. So, like, you know, how wound up was Eduardo yesterday? I know you were there to win, but, I mean, there's obviously a lot more in the tank. I mean, what, what sort of, how fit was he? Eduardo's a horse who there's not as big a gap between his first up run and his peak run. He's one of those sort of horses. He he uh, he's a naturally a very very athletic horse. So while there is um, nice improvement in him, um, he just he, he goes to the races ready to ready to, to do the job whenever he. Oh, he's never since I've been here in, since I've had him. You know, he's never lost a race through fitness. You know, he's not a horse who needs warm up runs. So, um, but yeah, he'll 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 improve as as we get through the prep, no doubt. Um, you know, I thought the conditions yesterday were terrible, and I guess there'd be a few horses. You know. Um, that don't handle wet ground a little bit nervous given what's been what's predicted for the um for the spring just on that joe just a, a side sidebar to, to eduardo uh i was i was here dubin of course yesterday but uh was there a lot of rain the track seemed to fall apart like that's the worst i've seen it for a long time look it's just a combination of a lot of wet weather mm. for such a sustained period and um rain on race day it's always the worst kind of rain you can get um, you know, it was a six going into the morning and uh, it rained there for, from speaking to the Ramwick trainers, it rained there for a good hour and a half, sort of around seven, eight o'clock yesterday morning and that just sealed it. You know, it was just, it was just going to be really hard going from there on in. So we've got no growth yet. We haven't had the warm weather, but 
No, I think going to September at least, we'll, or in September now, September, October, we'll at least have some warm days and get some growth and repair, and it'll, it'll be a chance of getting back to somewhere near um, what, what we'd all like to see it. But um, it's probably a seven-metre rail. Probably didn't help the cause yesterday either. Curly question for you, and I know you're only worried about your horse. You probably don't really care too much about any others, but there's been five Everest slots taken, really six, I suppose, if you count Classic Legend, who's owned by Bon Ho. We've got Nature Strip, your horse, Marzu, Classic Legend, Lost and Running, and Mars Crusader. They're the six in. Outside of those six, have you seen anything that you sort of thought, you know, that's an Everest horse? I mean, for instance, Snap Dancer in the Memsey or, or Rothfire yesterday. or is, is there anything that sort of caught your eye outside of the, the obvious? Well, I think Snap Dancer's... Yeah, she's a very well, very well performed mare. But you know, to take on these sort of horses, I don't think she's best when she gets to dominate. She's not going to get to dominate in an Everest, so that might be a bit hard for her. Rothfire's racing well. He's, he's a great old horse, and if you can hold him together, and that's been the problem with him in the past, hasn't it? You know, he's just been able to hold him together to to get into an Everest and hold him together. I'm sure he's a good chance. Um, but um, you know, probably those the horses have got the slots now. You'd, it's going to be hard for anything just to come out of the. Out of the woodwork, you know, these three-year-olds, difficult for them to measure up in the spring to these older horses as well. So, yeah, there'd be some nervous slot holders wondering where their horse is coming from. Mm. And I suppose you're more than satisfied in the fact that, one, you've got a horse who you know is going to be highly competitive in the Everest, but securing a spot early, you plot your path, you know where you're going... These horses that aren't in the Everest yet, uh, it, all of a sudden they might have to do a U-turn to, to you know, accommodate uh, going into the Everest. So it's not an ideal path, and it's a tricky path, but with with yours, it's pretty smooth sailing, you know, everything going right up, up to, to race day. Yeah, well, he's, he, you know, he's won, won and placed in the shorts the last two years, so um, that's going to be a race that's good for him. There's going to be, I think that, that that's really going to be a a great indicator of, of, of what's going to unfold for us in the spring, that shorts. It's, it's, they're all going there. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that we've got some kind of advantage going there with a run under our belt. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the Premier, less less of an indication because it'll be horses building their fitness, but I don't think anyone wants their horse peaking two weeks out. So, yeah, um, yeah look, I'm, I'm, I'm just comfortable with what we've done with our horse. And, you know, you had a lovely spell in Queensland and, you know, yesterday's shows. If we didn't already know from what he's done at home, that he's come back um, as good as ever. And the understanding between horse and rider here is extraordinary, isn't it? Nashville Willard just seems to get Eduardo and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, um, you know, that's a, unfortunately for us, we're, we're going to lose him next start. Um, he's, he's going to have to be replaced and haven't finalised that yet, but we should do that in the next couple of days. Um, but, you know, better to lose him in the lead up than, 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 in, the, than in a big one. So um, Nash was wrapped with him yesterday and, uh, smile on his face that last 50 metres. Many of our listeners will think this is a stupid question, but I don't think it is. The question I'm going to put to you is, is Eduardo, is Eduardo a better horse this year, this this time of year, than he was this time last year? Oh, he was great last spring. Yeah, he, he wasn't at his best in the autumn, I've got no doubt about that, but he was fantastic last spring. Like He kicked off with a win over Nature Strip, and then I thought I thought we got the, got the tactics wrong in the Everest by letting Nature Strip lead, and he, and he ran a great third and was only beaten, you know, less than a length. And then he blew them away in the Classic Legend. So, you know, there's, I'll just be happy if he's at that level. Sure. I, looking at him, he's, he's he's a heavier horse now than he, what he was in the spring, so there's a chance he could be a little bit better. But I, I'd just be happy to be at that level. But at that level, he's going to be competitive in whatever we put him in. And I think you, you made the point earlier, and it's worth bringing up... I'll, 
a lot of people, oh, he's nine years of age, but it doesn't mean anything, does it, when you consider he hasn't even had 30 starts? No, no, that was his 28th start yesterday. And, you know, in, within that same race, you had uh, you had horses that are all into, you know, 20-something starts and they're, you know, five, six years old. Um, you know, I mean, no one ever talks about Zaki's age. He's, he's eight. Or is he nine? Um, you know, he's had a, he's likely race as well. It helps him. And I mean, nature should be had quite a few more starts than us, and he's only one year younger than us. So, I look, at, I think there's a lot of numbers people people should obsess over in terms of statistics. But I don't know if the age is one. You've just mm. got to have the faith that the, you know the connections know what they're doing, and that, you know their horses in good order, and you judge them on what they you know how they perform, not not what uh, what, what numbers attached to their age. I mean, it's the same with humans. You can't judge it. It's only one uh, one aspect of a uh, of a person's makeup is their age. Hundred percent. You just missed out on the, the, our feature race here yesterday. I I, I called yeah. her as going like a winner of the straight, and she was, but she just got overhauled late. We're talking about Snippy Fox, of course. Yeah, look, she ran terrific, and, and for for us, it was about you know I had I had in mind to run her in the Mona Lisa there on Friday, and I knew we were going to get a wet track, and that race came up a bit soft in Brisbane, and she's now a stakes place getter, and that's yeah you know, so important for these mares, so. Oh, we, that was a win for us yesterday. Oh, I was really pleased. It would have been nice to actually get the the one beside her name, but it was a, it was a really good performance. She'll have a short little break up in Queensland now. Good on you, mate. Always good to talk to you. Good luck with Eduardo with the next few weeks. Great. Thanks very much, guys. Joe Pryor joining us, the trainer of Eduardo. Uh, an expected winner, but the market didn't necessarily think so. And, of course, <laughs> this, it's a two-way street. It's not Eduardo just easing out in isolation. Uh, it was the money support for Andermatt that probably saw Eduardo ease out because Andermatt was three seventy to two eighty, so it nearly, nearly, nearly got uh, favouritism over Eduardo. Yeah, I hope Vin Cox isn't listening about what I'm going to say next. Well, he's a great man. We have him on the show a fair bit, but Andermatt completely not a myth. I mean, mm. honestly, like I mean, yeah, at a lower level, yeah, no, no dramas, but I, I don't know, I don't know. Like clearly, um, loves a wet track. Yeah, we get that, but you know. Could he beat Eduardo? I mean, gee whiz, a lot of people thought he could. Very lacklustre yesterday, I thought, Andabat. Won't, um, I reckon he'd be going to the sack foals, certainly at this level, if for a lot of punts. Yeah, if he'd run a good second, you could be forgiving. But, uh, you know, he he's just got into fourth spot at the end. But uh, I was starting to think he was a bit mythical last campaign. And uh, my thoughts haven't changed after yesterday. No, and Joe Pride makes a very, very good point about this Everest field, doesn't he? I mean, those six horses, I won't repeat them again, but they've got slots. They're the, the season campaigners outside of Marzu, I, I, I guess, who you probably couldn't call a season campaigner. But, I mean, clearly there's going to be a full full, full field in the Everest. There has to be because there's 12 slot holders who, who all want a horse. But I'm just looking at the market and wondering where some of these other horses are actually going to come from. Yeah, well, of course, Coolmore has a slot and Godolphin has a slot and, and Aquas have a slot. They can, um, you know, have first choice of their team, uh, but still three other slots apart from that. But, but, but I mean, even with those, like, I mean, who are they sort of going to pick? I mean, there's no obvious picks at the moment. I mean, Godolphin, maybe Paul Ailey, or, I don't know. But Yeah, I've got to, I, I reckon Snap Dance will end up in there. Yeah. I'm fairly certain of that. Anyway, that's... Um, the first piece of the Everest Jigsaw run and won yesterday, as we said, an expected victory, but a market drifter, Eduardo, $2.70, winning the Concord. Joe Pride is doing a great job with him. Let's go to some other features at Royal Randwick yesterday on this rain-silent track, and Zaki was always going to be a great draw card, and he went to the tramway at $1.90.
And it's Zaki in front under a good grip from McDonald. Leads the way by a half length to Nimali. A length and a half then to Profondo. A couple further back then to Conversion Character as they come up the rise. And Nimali trying to worry the favourite Zaki out of it. Nimali pushed on. Now McDonald gets busy on Zaki on the inside. And they're two lengths clear from Profondo. Zaki starting to go through his gears now. The eight-year-old. He put pay to Nimali. Ice bath with a big run late. But it's Zaki clearing the tramway. And he goes back to back. Zaki by two and a half to Ice Bath. Nimali third. Profondo every hope fourth. Further back to Yonkers. Converge. Uh, really weakened out in the straight. Converge. And character was last in. Well, he's not a nine-year-old like Eduardo is, but he's an eight-year-old, Zaki, and uh, a successful return yesterday, winning the tramway. Again, as expected, he was uh, there was no gamble with him. Well, a little gamble, 170 to 190, but he ran odds on and uh, never looked like losing. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a crunch race for Zaki, actually, in, in terms of would the real Zaki stand up? Because uh, there were a, a couple little question marks over him. I mean, not according to punters, but just, you know, getting a bit older, you know, did, did he still have it? And I just thought there was a moment there in the straight where I thought one or two things could happen. This this horse, could, you know, was being challenged. Um, yeah, just wondered what had happened, but the real Zaki obviously is still there, surged away at the end, and doesn't it set up? a potentially fascinating showdown between Zaki and Animo in the George Main Stakes in a couple of weeks. Yeah, on the 17th of September. I don't think... Like, we've seen Zaki twice at our Winter Carnivals, 2021, and, and this year. I don't think we saw the best of him this year. Uh, he won the Hollandale, but you couldn't describe as impressive. And then, of course, he could only run third in the Dooman Cup, which was which was run at Eagle Farm. So we didn't see the best. So, and, you know, he was very good in the spring, very good in the, in the autumn and... and well, really, he's been very, very good ever since uh, he's arrived under Annabelle Neesham's care. But uh, he had a good run in front. Uh, you've got to look at the, the breakdown. There was a, what, they run 128, 178 in 37.54. So they went the first half mile in a tick over 51. So uh, he would have been disappointed if he had got beaten. But the other thing is, too, there was always this uh, conversation that he wasn't effective on rain-affected tracks. Well, I think he's put that, that um, idea to bed because... He was really good on the Queen Elizabeth, and yesterday was a dead-set bog track. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he just did what he had to do in the end. I think probably there's some excuse runs in this race, as there were in a lot of races, just because the track was such a bog. I mean, Converge, for instance, got beaten out of sight here, but, you know, was that track-related? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. Profondo never really figured. Uh, he was terrific first up Profondo, so I'm sure they've got a good horse there to play with. So... Just be interesting to see what this track takes out of some of these horses going forward. Mm. Gee whiz, it was wet, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I would say on that, treat the form with caution yesterday because of the nature of the track, and that's a no-brainer. Let's go to the uh, Furious Stakes, another uh, feature for the three-year-old fillies. This race at Group 2 level. 300 metres to run. Walinga Beast and North Star Lass slogging it out for the time being. Two lengths away to Paris Door. Seven vows. She's extreme. Five off them. Getting to the outside. Walinga Beast heads off. North Star Lass. Three off to Paris Dior. Walinga Beast in front. Dowerly. It's Walinga Beast from North Star Lass is coming back the inside. Walinga Beast. North Star Lass. Head and head they go to the wire and North Star Lass off the canvas. Came back to win the Furious Stakes. Tuffed it out from Malinga Beast. A gap back to She's Extreme third in front of Paris Dior. Then Russian Conquest seven vowels, Madame Pomery, Wingardium, and a long gap back to Wave Rider Boy last in. North Star Lass, and this was literally climbing off the canvas because Walinga Beast had a stone cold, but uh, I think probably drew a neck in front, but she came back and won well back to 750 down to $5 for Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott. Yeah, they talk about the Gay Waterhouse 
polish and the, the bone tough, and muscle, bone and muscle, and the way she trains them, you would never see a better example of, of that than this. This horse, as you say, was on the canvas, was just about wasn't down and out, but looked like it was going down and, and came back and went. Lovely, lovely gritty ride from Tim Clark, who um, will actually reunite with Alligator Blood uh, in the uh, Maccabi Diva next Saturday. Damien Oliver rode um, first up, so Tim Clark, who obviously combined. With Alligator Blood for Stradbroke Handicap Glory, Glory will be back on. Fair enough. Well, that wasn't the end of the, the Waterhouse spot um, success yesterday in Royal Rabbit. Let's go to the Chelms for the Group 2 level. And Knight's Order is out in front. Knight's Order really up in the tempo and Clark's gone for home turning into the straight. It's Knight's Order racing falling's clear from no compromise knuckling down in second. Numerian gets going with a good run. Benno to the outside. 2.50 to go. Knight's Order two lengths clear from Numerian to no compromise grinding away. Knight's Order with 1.50 to go. Still a length and a half clear from Numerian and no compromise. It's Knight's Order. The Sydney Cup winner is going all the way here in the Chelmsford Stakes. Knight's Order won it by a length to New Marion. No compromise third. Benno got home well into fourth. A good gap back to Stockman, Allegron, Crystal, Pegasus, Cookaracha, Surefire, never a factor today. And on time, he went toe-to-toe where the winner has finished a long last. Well, similar to Eduardo, he, and similar to Zaki, he's an eight-year-old night's order, but again, he's only had the, the 27 starts. That was his ninth win yesterday, and another runner on speed, well-backed. Uh, $7 in the market. Tim Clark riding, and Never looked like losing. Yeah, it was a day for the old-timers, wasn't it? A bit like you and I, old-timers, David. But I guess that was just, um, yeah, track just suited that horse beautifully. You know, the the heavier the better on a Melbourne Cup trial. Can he win a Melbourne Cup? No. Um, But, you know, terrific win there yesterday and suited by the conditions and I guess why the punters came for him. He was in the Melbourne Cup last year, ran 19th. But uh, that's the path that they're headed towards the first Tuesday of November, which you'd like to see moved. Well, really, I mean, in the fair department, second Tuesday in November, third Tuesday in no, November, no, really matter? No, 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 no. That was Royal <laughs> Ramwick. Let's go back to the Valley, and we'll go to the Group 2 field. Only a small field here. There was a scratching, so we end up with five runners, and Mr Brightside, after the PB Lawrence win, was the odds-on favourite. So Mr. Brightside steps it up, dials it up, and at the 300 metres goes to the lead from Earlswood, who battles on a length away. Then Spanish Mission, and behind them, Inspirational Girl. They bump round the turn, but Mr. Brightside at the 150, ping for home. Two and a half lengths in front of Spanish Mission, Inspirational Girl, but Mr. Brightside's put pay to them, and has race clear, and Mr. Brightside won at four lengths, Inspirational Girl, Spanish Mission. Sound for fourth, and Earlswood was last of the five. Well, this was literally a, a stroll in the park, and the time underlines at one thirty nine one eight. That's very slow going, but uh, was probably always on the cards. It was going to be a trot and canter and a sprint home, and when he dialed it up, Craig Williams, Mr. Brideside, was ready for it and won by a good margin. Yeah, um, a terrific win, terrific horse. Just always disappointed by this. Um, the size of the fan field for a race that offers Cox Plate exemption gets you into the Cox Plate. I thought there would have been a few more turn up, but you can only beat what you can beat, and gee whiz, he did it in absolutely terrific fashion, didn't he? Yeah, he certainly did. I think the Mini Valley Club aren't uh, too happy where the Fians place, but uh, that's, that's a story for another day. Ben Hayes is joining us now. Ben, as you join us, uh, what a delightful situation to be in when you've got uh, four runners, opposed to four runners, um, in a race where you've got the odds on favourite. Uh, Cox Plate, um, uh, secure start there, and you win another group too. Must have been a very... Comfortable watch for you yesterday. 
Yes, those days don't come along very often, guys. So when it, when it happens, you've got to enjoy it. It was, a, it was a very good day for the stable. Ben, I, I get the sense that Mr Brightside is and may always be the, the most important horse you've, you've ever trained because he just came along at a perfect time for the stable, didn't he, when you, your dad had left and, and Tom Dabernick had, ne- had left and, and you and your brother were, were building things up. He just came along at exactly the right time. Uh, you couldn't have timed it perfectly with a horse like him. Uh, but we wouldn't. We didn't know he was that good uh, when he was first in the yard, and he's just that horse that's kept improving every time we've asked him. And, he, he was, uh, now he's yeah. You go. Sorry, Ben. He, he was pretty plain, wasn't he? Like he, he was pretty lazy, pretty plain. Nothing, nothing too much to look at. Yeah, he's an unassuming horse. Um, there's nothing spectacular about him. Um, if you put him in a paddock, you wouldn't go, "Oh, what's that?" Um, but that's probably why he's so good. Um, he's very calm at the races. He walks around nice and quiet. Uh, he's got good racing manners. He's versatile. Craig can ride him wherever he wants. He can lead on him, come from last, sit midfield. So he's just, at this stage, looks like a bomb-proof horse and just absolutely fantastic to have in the yard and we're enjoying every minute of it. I'm looking at this uh, CV here. Win Doncaster, win PB Lawrence, win Fian yesterday. So... He's low-flying. Um, we've been talking about the Cox Plate in terms of Mr Brightside, but it always seems to come up in a, in a paragraph somewhere that the Caulfield Cup uh, is not totally off the agenda. Is that right? <laughs> Look, we're just keeping our options open. Um, the horse, like I've said, the whole time will place himself. And at this stage, there is a leaning towards the Cox Plate. Right. Um, it's probably the obvious progression, I think, for the... Pr- I, I'm not worried about him running 2,000 metres at all. Uh, 2,400 metres is maybe a little question mark. So I prefer to see him at 2,000 before we go to 24 mm. um, at this stage. But the horse has pulled up fantastic. Um, if you have a look at his pedigree, he is bred to get out the 2,000 metres. And uh, I hope he can, because if he can, he'll be a serious horse. He's obviously got a catchy name after the song. Do you uh, do you have a, like a Mr Brightside party and play the song every time he wins? Or what did you get up to last night? Yeah, no, we listened to the song a couple of times. Uh, I do enjoy the song. Uh, the Valley actually put on the song when he won, which is quite cool. Uh, that was very good. And all the um, people in the crowd were singing it as well. So um, he's getting a little bit of a cult following. Um, a lot of people like him, which is fantastic. Yeah, exactly right. And he, he's popular with putters too because he, if he doesn't win, he doesn't run a bad race. Where, where does he start next? Um, at this stage, uh, the way he's pulled up, um, we're going to stick to our original plan, uh, the Underwood Stakes in three weeks' time. Um, that's a good progression. 1,800 metres, wait for age group one. Uh, it'll be really interesting um, who heads in that direction because to this stage of the prep, he probably hasn't run into the top wait for age horses. Um They've been running in the Memsey and probably next week in the Maccabi Diva. Um, so I'll be watching the Maccabi Diva very closely and uh, it'll be really exciting to hopefully take on some of the better ones in the Underwood. You've got a fascinating Melbourne Cup horse on your hands, Ben, in the shape of Kimura, who won the Group 2 Curra Cup, obviously the same race won by Melbourne Cup winners Rick Kindling and Twilight Payment. I understand, JD, your brother, is is, is he still going... Uh, flying out to Ireland but to potentially watch this horse in the, the Group 1 Irish St. Ledger um, in the next week or so? Yeah, correct. Uh, he leaves Monday. Um, he's got to meet up with Jer Lyons and 
Uh, he'll watch him run. He'll try to soak in as much information about the horse from Joe as we can. Um, Joe obviously has trained his horse really well. He's in good form and I hope he runs a good race uh, for him uh, because that'll be good for us going forward towards a Melbourne Cup. Um, yeah, really exciting. Jared Best, uh, who's uh, only new to the industry and doing really well um, from Best Bloodstock, uh, was able to purchase the horse and give it to us. So we're very thankful for that. And you don't often get that opportunity. Is he, I mean, obviously, I suppose it hinges on how he goes in this, this race in Ireland. Would he have an Australian start before the Melbourne Cup or would he potentially go straight into a Melbourne Cup? I think straight into it. Um, generally, I find horses, when they travel over, that best run is their first run and that's what we're going to do with this guy. What two days are around yesterday? <laughs> Lots of thinking from JD and I. Um, we have tried everything with him but I, I think for me um, it probably his last three runs he's mentally matured uh, he's now five-year-old and at the races his manners have got a lot better uh, yesterday he probably saddled up the best he's ever saddled up uh, he didn't get amorous and didn't get um, his mind off the job and I think the way the race was run really suited him as well uh, a hard run race uh, didn't give him much time to think because that's been his issue, he's a bit of a thinker. And the way for him to win was just a big result uh, for everyone. Laniva, uh, all the owners in it have, have had to be very patient. Um, it's been a long time between drinks, uh, but for him to get his stakes win, uh, it was well-deserved. He's a horse that has that ability. Good on you, mate. Good day at the office for you and JD yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me on. There's Ben Hayes joining us, the co-trainer of Mr Brightside, who is ticking along impeccably for his uh, Cox Plate mission, which I would suggest would be a not a Caulfield Cup. No, uh, you can definitely read that into it. What a, um, uh, you know, so many, well, I say so many options, but I mean, I suppose a Cox Plate is the option, but I mean, as he said, that horse is so versatile, you can, you know, you can throw him in almost any race and know that he'd be competitive. So uh, I love the catchy name of the song. I feel like belting out a couple of bars now, Mr. Brightside David, but I think we've got to move on, so I won't. <laughs> Yeah, it shows how stupid I am. I didn't even know that was a song. Yeah, you need to do your research, old son. Who who sings it? Uh, the Killers, I think. Hang on. No, is it the Killers? Obviously, you don't know. I think it's The Killers. Hang on. Let me let me look this up. I'm pretty sure it is. The Killers, Mr. Brightside. Yes, there we go, The you Killers. You're right again. Let's take a break. This is past the post. On Father's Day, the September the 4th, we'll be back in a minute to review the meeting at Doombin yesterday. This is past the post. Brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Taking racing ownership to the next level. Is Mr Brightside song coming on? Yes! There it is. You've got it. You're out of control. I've got an absolutely manic. I do, know that, I do know that song, but I didn't know it was called Mr. Brightside. There you yeah. go. You learn something every day. Let's go to Doomit yesterday and uh, Ange Jones, uh, a riding treble. She's an apprentice in great demand and riding terrifically. Let's listen to the third leg of her treble. Don't stop winning the last race. 
coming by the 400 metres. Parco straightens narrowly in front. Guy dragging under the pump. Don't stop. There's plenty of room there. Big Bad Bruce swimming up at the centre of the track. And Enterprise Mia down the outside. Race changing complexion. Big Bad Bruce reaches the lead. Enterprise Mia the outside. And don't stop the inside. They've been off Parco. Big Bad Bruce in front. Don't stop trying resolutely. Enterprise Mia not doing quite well enough. And don't stop will win the last. And beat Enterprise Mia. The start may have been costly. Big Bad Bruce picking late third. Parco in fourth. Then Love Struck Guy Dragon. And Tappy's one was a distant last in 122 and 41 in the final event. Don't stop trained by a thoroughly good bloke in Paul Nolan Jr. He's taking his family for a holiday to Sydney. In fact, they'll be getting on a plane in an hour's time. So it was a great result after a fair absence as far as winners were concerned. Paul was the first to admit it when I had a chat with him after the last. But not so our next guest. She's riding in great form, Ange Jones. She joins us now. Ange, congratulations. A great day yesterday. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And can I just ask one question? Uh, I'm calling these races all of the time, and you're winning a lot of races. Angela, Angie, Ange. Which is which name is the best for you? Oh, just Ange. Ange. Angela will be. <laughs> Angela will be. But um, no, a, a great day yesterday, and and I know Paul made mention to me after the last race, a very clever ride uh, by you know going back near the inside and saving ground on Don't Stop. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, it wasn't really our plan, but. I sort of went out there with a pretty open mind. You sort of never really know what can happen in the last. Um, we drew quite wide, so I sort of... And you don't really know. Sometimes he begins really well and sometimes the horse misses the start and is, struggles to even keep in touch. So you sort of... You have to, with him, go out there with a pretty open mind. And um, so it didn't really phase me when I sort of had to change plans a couple of times. And um, um, it just all really worked together. And one of the things you said uh, yesterday really struck a chord with me. You said you'd just taken a, a few weeks, I guess, to really figure the, the city tracks out. But but you said, you'd, you know, some of the riders you, you're riding against have actually been riding these tracks longer than you've been alive. Like, it's, it's quite amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's probably something you shouldn't really think about, but you do, and they know how the races go and, and how the biases work. And, you know, if it's a bit wet, they sort of know how the race, the day's going to pan out. Um just from years and years of seeing it. So you sort of, you try not to think about those things, but they do play on your mind a little bit. But um, I think you just got to try and block that out and take it as it comes. Do you, uh, I know your partner Kyle Wilson-Taylor, uh, when he came to town, he admits now he sort of went about things the wrong way and, and it was very intense and, and whatever. Do you, how are you sort of approaching the first few weeks of your, your, your sort of more first month or so of your, your metro season? And do you listen to anything he says or just totally ignore him? <laughs> oh, I listen to a little bit. It's hard to block too much out, you know. But um, no, no, it was good. I think I realised you couldn't really expect too much. Um, and I think that helped. You sort of can just be patient in the first few weeks if things aren't really going your way. You know, you can't expect them to when there's obviously a lot of factors that are um, a lot of things you don't know. And you've probably got to learn. You can't expect everything to just fall into place the first couple of weeks. On the horse front, this uh, this mere gold deal, now you know a bit about her because you won on her last campaign at the Gold Coast and you're on her first up at Ipswich. She ran really well that day because she rode a hard speed and just kept fighting. Yesterday, you really controlled her well in front. You rated her beautifully. But uh, have you seen her develop from when you rode her earlier in the year to, to how, how she is now? Yeah, definitely. And um, I think Tony Sears always said from the start it was going to take her a couple of preps. Um, 
just to develop into the nice horse she is. Um, we knew she was going to get a bit of a distance and she's just such a lovely horse to ride race day. She does everything so nice. She's quick out and she can put herself into a positive position and then she just relaxes beautifully wherever she is, whether it be leading or outside the leader or in behind a couple. Um, you can put her anywhere. She'll drop the bit. and um, She always has a nice little bit of fight in her. She's um, a sassy little horse and I think that's you want that little bit of attitude in a mare. What about Aussie Nugget? Everything sort of went wrong, but it also went right. I sort of thought um, after the start, you missed the start and were back last and the race seemed to be pretty slowly run. I thought, gee, you're in trouble here, but you end up winning easily. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sort of, it actually planned out how we figured. Um, it was a small field. We knew we were going to be in that third last pair, um, but it probably didn't work out mid-race. I was worried they were going a little bit slow. It sort of helped when the um, so hands whipped around them and put a little bit of pace into it. But um, we'd sort of been instructed to just ride for luck. So everything was going my way, um, I thought. And, you know, I thought there was only six horses in it and three of them probably could win. So I thought we could always find the, the back of something that was going to take us into it. And um, just being a small horse field, I knew we were going to find the, the gaps were going to come and they did. So I wouldn't really say nothing went to plan for it because it sort of actually panned out how I thought it would. Yeah, he's a horse who, he had won a race for a long time. Of course, Tony's only had him for two runs, but uh, he got the job done there yesterday. And I suppose as a as a, an apprentice, a three-kilo claimer, sometimes you don't get the opportunity to stay on horses. But from a, from a rider's point of view, particularly from, you know, an apprentice's point of view, if you can stay on these horses, it must be beneficial for you because you can get to know their, their traits, their quirks, their characteristics. Yeah, definitely. Um I think I was lucky to stay on him. I think I probably could have rode him better um, the start before, but like I said, that was sort of a... Nothing really went right for him that day, and um, it was good sort of having to... Knowing him, um, coming going into yesterday, um, he always sort of is a bit slow to go, so you can sort of expect that. You've got to really um, help him out to begin with, but you sort of... You know he's going to relax well, just because I've ridden before. Um, he always... He always does, and he's a lovely horse to ride um, mid-race. And um, I knew he would take the gaps if we waited for him, so it was sort of nice to be able to be a little bit familiar with him. Angel, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are starting to sort of be aware of, uh, of your career and a bit of your background, but for, for those who don't know, obviously you're a country kid from Charters Towers. You give us a bit of an insight into into that. Like, do you, your mum and dad still in Charters Towers? Do you just sort of ring them most days? Do you, you have a lot of family there? What's uh, What's the story there? Yeah, um, yeah, so I grew up, uh, we were probably uh, a couple hundred K out of Charters Towers. Um, but I went to boarding school in Charters Towers and, yeah, my dad's still up there. I don't really get up there as much as I should, but um, I still talk to him a fair bit. Um, but, yeah, it was, a great, it was a great upbringing being up there. Obviously, we weren't in racing at all, but we sort of just got to grow up with the horses and... Um, that's how it started, just in love with horses. I always said from a very young age I was going to have a career in horses. It, it wasn't going to be racing. Or, um, I would have liked it. I always thought that would be cool, but I didn't really think that was possible. But I always said, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to do something with horses. So it was cool that it actually ended up that way. Great day yesterday, a riding treble. I'm sure there'll be plenty more. Thanks for joining us this morning, Ange. Thank you. Ange Jones uh, riding three winners out of the nine race card yesterday. Let's go to another uh, replay. We'll go to race two. This was an anticipated return. Steady ready from the Sears stable. 
and not only ran an odds-on favourite, it was a heavily backed odds-on favourite. <laughs> Travelling up to the turn with just over 400 left to Rana. Flaming Conquest has got the lead by Nectar Steady Ready. They're the big guns of the Manning and they corner in the lead. From in third, Kobe Land. Clearview Molly up to fourth on the fence. Sailor's Secret. Forget the other pair. Flaming Conquest in front. Steady Ready just being flicked at by Maloney as Flaming Conquest is in for the fight. She's in for the final right now. He's really going to get busy on Steady Ready. Flaming Conquest still the leader. Steady Ready can't get it. Can't get it can't get it. And Flaming Conquest beats Steady Ready. Had its chance. Third, Clairview Molly. Fourth, Sailor's Secret. Kobe Ladd, Yankee River and Eurydice in 62 and 67. Haven't interviewed this man for a long time. Glad he's on the show. Murph, good morning. David Murphy. Hey, Dave. How are you, mate? I'm well. How are you? You'd be happy. Yeah, yeah it's a good day, Dave. A very good day. Did you think you could beat the odds on favourite? Mate, um, she was going well. I think I got him at the right time. Like he was first up, fifty-nine kilos. But I, uh, and then the draw come out, and I drew outside, and I thought, oh, you know, if we don't cross him, we probably can't beat him. He's sitting outside him, you know. But um, he was a bit slow to go, and Geordie went to the front. And then when he popped out into the death, I thought he'd been able to strike. Well, it's a bit tough out there first up. Mm. And uh, she was fit, and she was ready to go. The rain that fell on Friday night and also in Saturday mo- on Saturday morning must have infused you with a bit more confidence because clearly she likes the wet. I mean, it, when this race was run, it was a, supposedly a soft seven, but it was really a heavy track even even then, wasn't it? It was a heavy track, might have been right. But then um, uh, Tony Source loves the wet as well, but I think he just got a bit tired running through it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. What about, uh, this is only her third run uh, this time in. Uh, do you keep going? Uh, there's a race in uh, four weeks' time at Eagle Farm, a three-old handicap. But I'm not sure, Dave. I'll just see how she goes, mate. Um, she's only, like, brand new. She's just learning how to race properly now. She's starting to put it together. So let's see what happens, mate. There's that um, dual meeting, I think. Is that in March next year? Yep. You know, it might be one more and a blow and give it, give her a shot at that sort of meeting. You know, she's, I think there are 1,200 of those races there. But uh, it would be nice... I was talking to Dan yesterday, actually, about the Magic Millions. You know, you buy these horses down to Magic Millions to go early, and then once they don't make the two-year-old race, there's, nothing, there's no races for them. Mm. There's no 1,000 metre races for them. There's no like, uh, sprint races for the three-year-old, you know what I mean? I tell you what there is for them is this cutest money, and I can't um, emphasise it enough that, uh, particularly for a filly, that it's good money to be won, isn't it? Oh, 100%, Dave. It's, uh, I think she's won about 200 now, and she's a three-year-old filly had... Uh, four or five start. Yeah, exactly right. How many back in the day, mate, you got a horse 100,000 as an open, candy, open handicap horse. Yeah, exactly right. How many in the work at the moment? Uh, five. Oh, six. I've got a filly come in, assuming to win filly come in um, during the week. Good on you, mate. Uh, she's a, a filly going places and, and, and earning good money. Good to see you win. Thanks for joining us this morning. Cheers, mate. There is David Murphy. Mm-hmm. Generally shouts everyone at Gallopers when he wins the race. Well, I used to tell everyone on the public address that. <laughs> They'd be lining up there. Where's Murph to buy the drinks? A good bloke. Good to see him win. <clears throat> now, another good bloke is my mate Chris Wessel with Archer Park Racing. Now, they were there yesterday. They had an ordinary result with Caribbean King. He didn't handle a heavy going. They ran third of that race. But they came into the listed Tattersall's Members' Cup with Bonaparte, who, of course, was a last start winner. Let's see how he fared.
Stevie Fox controlling affairs well up front. Ran the first split in 45 and 32. Invinciano and Ekaway, Fleet Dove three wide, has always been there. Then Deep Seaver, followed by Sir Rocket, about to come to the outside. No staying in there. Bonaparte comes to the outside. And then came Hazabro nearer the rail. And further back was Renouf. And last of all was Redouble in the home straight, though. Stibby Fox sprinting hard and fast. Leads the way. Currently has a good margin. Sir Rocket's out in plenty of time. Bonaparte runs on well. 100 left to run, though. Snippy Fox the leader. Bonaparte's going to be the danger. Bonaparte went up on the outside. Up went Bonaparte. Listed victory for him. Beat home Snippy Fox. Third has a bro. Sir Rocket couldn't come on. Then Deep Seaver, followed by Redouble. Renew Fleet Dove. And Invinciano whipped them in in 121.63. He was born as a tried horse from Mike Moroney, and the, uh, the, the stable have had him for two years. He arrived in September 2020, and he's been a great money spinner, but that was his career best win yesterday at listed level, and a good result for Archer Park Racing. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting talking to Stuart Kendrick after the race. He said, look, you know, saw the last time him, we trained this horse as a, as a miler, mm. and it didn't really work out. He said, now we're training him as a 1,000-metre horse, effectively. Um, and, you know, 1350 was right in his sweet spot. Gee whiz, he, uh, he won well. And I just sense from listening to that call, you might have had a few shackles on day. No, 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 no. Nothing? Not, not really a horse of mine, Bonaparte, but I I rue the day because this time in, this time in, the way they're training him, he, he's flying. He's had, what, the five starts and he's, he's won three of them. I will say Tina Wessel, Chris Wessel's wife, is a very excited owner. I spotted her walking into a very swanky restaurant last night with the trophy, which was a large trophy, and even the race day sash. She looked like she was the prom queen as she strutted <laughs> into this restaurant. All full of importance, but don't they? <laughs> they, uh, they, they... Look, the good thing about this, this crew... They celebrate when they win, they commiserate when they lose, but they're always in, in good spirits, and that's what Archer Park Racing is about. Taking ownership to the next level, as the ad keeps telling us, but a great day for them yesterday, and good luck with Parisian Lady in the first day of the Sunshine Coast. The website, archerparkracing.com.au. We're just about out of time. Let's have a listen to yesterday's Birdsville Cup. At the 400 metres marker, Jock Berg and also Sakaro finishing strongly. Uh, Magnus Eber trying to rally back and Stradari, Boney's Tiger the inside, but out wide Sakaro. Sakaro sweeping away now. It's all Sakaro on the cup. They kill up for the miners, but with 100 metres left to go, Sakaro three, four lengths in front, and Sakaro. Sakaro's won the Birdsville Cup. Second Magnus Eber, third is a photo. Jock Berg's up there with Stradari, Boney's Tiger, followed by Get Your Grey on and Hamon Sweetheart pulled up at the rear. Sakara, Robbie Farr riding, winning the Birdsville Cup easily. They of course could race on Friday but they got the meeting on yesterday and they're racing today because the Friday meeting's transferred to the Sunday. Yeah, I've got to say we'll talk about this more tomorrow on Press Room. It's been a bit of a shambles, hasn't it, the last couple of days and also I guess um, to, to, you know, congratulations to the winners of the Birdsville Cup but it must be said uh, that carnival's been completely overshadowed by the stewards' investigation and uh, all those events which we will uh, get into tomorrow. Well, that's on Press Room. We look forward to your company then. Ben, thanks for today. Have a good Father's Day, mate. Yeah, happy Father's Day to everyone out there. Well, all the fathers anyway. <laughs> exactly right. Enjoy your day, folks. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye.